0: And welcome. You are listening to Digital Health Unplugged, keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in the world of NHS IT. We're still coming to you remotely from various places across the UK, as we are now well and truly into a lockdown 2.0. But we are never short of things to talk about on this podcast. So we promise to keep you entertained and informed in the meantime. I'm Andrea Downey, Senior Reporter for Digital Health. And today we have some guests joining us from Royal Cornwall Hospitals to talk about their digital test bed programme, and also how it's driving innovation in the area and how you can do something similar in your trust. We have with us Ian Nichols, the eHealth Transformation Manager at Royal Cornwall. Hi, morning everyone. And we have Gary Jennings, the Commercial Director of Kernow Health CIC, which supports primary care services across Cornwall.
1: Hey, good to meet you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. I know that you've got a very busy schedule at the moment. And we've actually not spoken about test beds on the podcast before, so I'm really looking forward to hearing how that's worked for you in Cornwall and also how others can implement similar innovation programs in their areas. So I know, and I think so will a lot of our listeners, that in a nutshell, digital test beds are a place for the NHS and industry and innovators to sort of come together and test new technologies in a real world type setting before they can be scaled out um, at a larger setting but I probably am not going to explain it as well as you guys will. So I'm going to start by just asking you to explain what the Digital Testbed Programme at Royal Cornwall is and how that's helped drive innovation in your area.
2: Yeah, so I mean, in Cornwall, um, in, in, in the hospital, we've always had quite an open uh, approach to innovation and we've long had a, an innovation programme which allows staff to bring ideas to um, a central team that can then help and support them with it. And that covers all sorts of types of innovations. Um, and one of the major ones that we often get is people coming to us with ideas for IT systems or, uh, or digital um, solutions to problems that they have in their workplace. And we've supported them with that. And along the way, we've worked with uh, people in the industry, such as a, a Strikersoft uh, company that we work with to help us develop these things alongside doing things with other programs in, in, uh, in, the, in the county. And then more recently, um, I've met Gary, and Gary runs a very interesting um, uh, service in the, in the community, and we're, we're currently working on bringing our two things together, really, and uh, doubling down on what we can deliver.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ian. Um, we are going through that stage of seeing what we can do and bringing it together. But um, where this all started from Kernel Health, uh, the digital and test testbed, is with um, probably about 18 months ago, we started to um, go out with what was called the sandbox. Now, in the last six months or so, I've taken over and we've made it more formulaic. But generally, there are four elements that we bring together. And that is, uh, Kernow Health is a community interest company and it's owned by all of the GP practices in Cornwall. So we are uh, there to support them, and the digital and e-health test bed is just one arm. The second part is that we have a population of approximately 500,000 people, and this mimics a, if you like, a microcosm of the world, because we have um, urban and rural populations, an aging population, we have various socio-economic uh, levels. Um, and so we can actually say that we, we've got this microcosm of the, the population in the UK or globally. The third element is that we are partnered with the University of Plymouth where, and also the University of Falmouth, where they've got, um, we work with researchers. And they can bring the academic rigor and the qualitative, quantitative uh, research, the um, uh, background research, and then actually do all of the processing and writing papers. And the fourth part is the innovators. We get a lot of inquiries from innovators and um, bringing all those four together means that we can actually, in the digital and e-health test bed, access primary care. And we do a lot of various projects, uh, anything from using uh, satellite connectivity in in healthcare for communications through to mental health, diabetes, um, (laughs) anything to stop people or reduce the amount of prescriptions of PPIs, all things like this. And so we were approached by a company from the States who would got an AI product for use in ICU. And obviously that's secondary care. So with some of the connections, because primary and secondary care are very closely linked within Cornwall, we've got a very simple structure of one, basically one trust, one CCG, uh, one foundation trust, sorry, uh, uh, yeah, with the foundation trust. Um, And so what we were able to do was... um, Ian and I somehow we connected I can't remember quite how but we started to discuss it and that's bringing like the structure of the test bed into the capabilities within the um, innovation side of of Cornwall Hospital.
0: So as you've mentioned the program started in primary care and is now moving into secondary care which suggests that it's quite successful in the primary care setting and you know it you wouldn't scale it if it hadn't been successful so i want to know what was it that you think made it so successful in that setting and and how were you able to sort of scale it up to secondary care in that
1: process from our side um, within primary care what we find found is that in making a if if you like um, a product that was reproducible or a service i should say means that what we can make it is slightly formulaic. Now, every product is different, every innovation company is different, but the processes they need to go through are fairly similar. And in reality, what everybody wants to do is enter the NHS, and they think that this could be the best way. When you look at some of the NHSX um, research and some of the stuff that other companies have done, The one thing that most digital companies lack is real world evidence. And so what they're looking for is just that. And that's what we provide. So that's where the success has come from, is being able to package that in such a way that it becomes a chargeable service because they they pay us to do this. So it's a chargeable service for primary care. We get inquiries from Southeast Asia, Japan, uh, Scandinavia, all over Europe and now from the States. And that's where we were looking at using our success to to uh, be able to work with Ian based on all the work that he's been doing.
2: Yeah, I mean, as, as Gary describes really, um, in the past we've had approaches from lots of different IT system suppliers with things new to market in in the UK and new or, or just innovative stuff. And it's always been difficult really to find a place for them. Because if you're going to do this, you're going to try it. How are we going to try it? How are we going to evaluate it? Do we need to do a business case? Are we going to buy this to implement it and actually use it for real forever? But with this testbed process, as Gary kind of describes it, actually, we can take it. We can try it out. We can do it without detriment to our service, because as Gary describes it, it's, it's something that is funded by the suppliers. And then we can actually figure out if it works or not. And that's a hugely advantageous for us, but also it's helpful for the for the company, because one of the big problems that they have whenever they're coming to uh, sell a service into the NHS, the first question any NHS trust set, asks is, who's using it and what benefits do they get from it? And this is the door that opens then to them to get that information. And it helps us in Cornwall, because we're uh, at the front door doing the most innovative stuff, which is uh, where we see ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's right, Ian. And as Ian and I have discussed many times between us, you know, we're looking for innovations because Cornwall is open to innovation. That's one of our strengths. But we're looking for things that can save us time, save us money, and improve patient outcomes. And so what we're trying to do right now, particularly with this ICU company, is establish baseline data, because without that, we can't actually say whether or not To cut a long story short, whether it works, does it do what they claim? And that is what Ian and I are working on together to make sure that these innovations do what they claim so they can either save us time and or save us money and, more importantly, concentrate on patient outcomes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the saving. Time and the money and the patient outcomes—we know are the benefits um, when when testing these uh, new innovations. But I want to touch a little bit on uh, real-world evidence, which you mentioned a little bit earlier, Gary. Um, I just want to talk about why that is so important when we're looking at new technologies, um, especially when we're implementing them in in healthcare. Um, so, yeah, how does that benefit you when you've got that evidence to suggest that a new digital technology will work for you?
1: Well, that's then proving the manufacturer's claims. Um, You know, this is not such a complicated um, process as, say, drug trials. But with drug trials, they have to go through the process to make sure that the drugs actually do what they say they're going to do. And that's what we're focused on, is we're doing it. But with products, the products aren't as... um, Invasive as a drug because they're not going inside the body normally, but it still requires the same process to make sure it works.
0: So, I'm really sick of bringing this topic up um, because I feel like we've talked it to death this year. But I do have to ask: How has the test bed helped Cornwall in the face of COVID?
1: We can run the test bed virtually. I don't need to be in front of a lot of clinicians. When we have the qualitative and quantitative research and evaluation going on, we can do that via video, using MS Teams or something similar. Um, And so what that does mean is that COVID has actually, it's not stopped innovation. It's actually in some respects been a catalyst for it because we can do more in less time by doing it virtually. We're still doing the same quality of intervention but it does mean that we're not travelling around and and running face-to-face workshops, uh, say, with a team of clinicians. Um, And that's meant that we can accelerate it. I think the other part is, and this is talking with other colleagues throughout uh, Cornwall Foundation Trust and also within um, Royal Cornwall Hospital Trust, is that we're also looking at um, interventions, say, for COPD or diabetes or asthma or... Heart disease. Now, those are a series of comorbidities that um, means that that could have patients that are um, more susceptible to COVID, as an example, or elderly frail patients. And we're working with a platform to support elderly frail patients so that GPs and um, mental health teams can do virtual ward rounds so that you are actually stopping people going into an environment where others are and therefore risks of spreading the disease so that really does help patients who are ill not have to be compromised to get the care that they need
2: yeah i think i mean the whole covid situation really has is helped uh innovation because it's really opened people's um uh, minds to taking things on and you, you know you will have heard all of that in the news really and that's that's very much the case in the real world but actually, the test bed, what it supports is actually getting these innovations in testing them and trying them out much more quickly and robustly than you would otherwise be able to do. You'd otherwise have a, a supplier set trying to, to to sell their, their product to trust. What, what we're doing is giving the opportunity to try it and then um, be able to provide the evidence that it works um, to other trusts. But that helps us by getting them in, getting it in and getting it used quickly in our areas. And if it does work and it does do what it says, then our patients get the benefit
1: from that. Mm, that's, yeah, I totally agree with you, Ian. That's spot on. And have you noticed how, though, that some of the innovators are so much more prepared to work with us virtually as well now, whereas previously they might have thought they've got to hop on a plane or get in the car to come down and visit us and hold meetings. And so it's actually been positive from that perspective too.
2: You're absolutely right. I mean, that is that very much change, isn't it? You would you often, you you know, there would feel like there was a need to sit in front and around a table of people and around the table with them and uh, have a cup of tea and whatnot. And, but now, actually, we don't need to do that. You know, we've had meetings, haven't we, with people in Israel and America at the same time. And it was just like, you know, being in the same room with them. And uh, I, I don't think I'd ever found myself in that situation before Covid.
1: Yeah, we've not been suffering death by PowerPoint either when people are doing presentations because it's been more of a discussion, hasn't it? So we've been able to find out more a lot quicker.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really changed. If you if you told me twelve months ago I'd be sat in my uh, dining room having discussions like that with people from all around the world with a view to deploying something quickly uh, and 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 getting some academic rigor behind
1: it, yeah, you know, I wouldn't have believed you. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It really is. It's great. It's, it's exciting, too. I mean, the other thing that I've noticed, um, it's like we've signed a partnership agreement with Orca because they're the people that can qualify and evaluate apps. But that's us sort of saying to them, well, we can bring the academic rigor and actually the real world evidence to all the great work that they do. So that's just one example, I think, of third parties that are looking to say, well, actually, how can we work together? within this environment during this period so that, you know, the, 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 um, the total is more than the sum of the individuals. And um, that's been a refreshing change too, really exciting. And, you know, people like Orco, they're a fair company to deal with. But, um, you know, that's another strength that we're bringing to it. So when I said previously well, there's like four legs to this, there's probably about eight legs or ten because of everything else that's going on.
0: <laughs> we've grown some legs in the last 15 minutes yeah, um but yeah yeah I'm you know it has been a really interesting year for innovation um and it's been it's been fascinating to sort of be reporting on it and watching it because things that w- have been talked about for you know years have just been rolled out because we've had to do it so um yeah it has been fascinating but speaking of um innovation I wanted to ask you for our listeners who might be thinking about implementing a very similar program in their trusts, what advice would you have for them if they're looking at setting up a test beds program?
2: So I think from the acute hospital point of view, it's the the main thing that I am working on. And I think it's really important is being able to provide the capacity additionally to whatever other IT programs and other other transformation work is going on to be able to do this. The risk you face, really, when we're trying to move these things forward alongside everything else is that actually it goes to the back of the queue because the the, the day job has to be done first. So you really got to create that capacity and create that environment um, within the organisation that we are open to innovation. We are, you know, th- this is a this is part of what we do. Um, and then it's working with people. With, uh, the ideas that gary has brought to the table here which includes you know the the academic rigor that's so important to uh you know actually look at these things scientifically and prove or disprove that whether they work or not not just the traditional um put it in try it uh, and and see
1: i think yeah in, in addition to that ian i think the other thing is you know when you and i first started talking and This isn't the the Gary and Ian show, but, um, you know, the one thing that I've I've noticed that you brought to it is that you've got the technical capabilities to be able to get underneath the systems within uh, the trust and make sure that we can get that baseline data. Um, So there's other elements. I mean, that one thing that you said about we're open to innovation, I think that's very much cultural. And so it's we don't struggle with the it's always been done this way kind of syndrome. People are open to it. And the other parties and what we found was that there were a number of people that were approached by various innovators saying, could you just try this for me? Or what do you think of that? And what we've been able to do over the last couple of months is. Try to bring all of that together because, you know, the Royal Cornwall Hospital has got an innovation segment to it and um, a a knowledge spa. So we're working with those guys as well so that if anybody comes with an innovation and approaches anybody in the hospital, they know where to go. If anybody comes in primary care, they know where to go and they come to this sort of like central hub so that that not that we take it over from them, but we can. Uh, we involve them, but the point is that then what we don't have is, say, five people all testing different products, which are variations on a theme, um, and doing it as a favor, as while Ian said, still trying to do your day job. So it does make sure that you, we, we're not diluting the uh, quality of what we're bringing to patients, and we're not diluting the quality of what we're working on for the future.
2: I I think uh, some of the points Gary makes, you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing that working or these links with industry give us is when we have internal um, ideas and things that people want to work on for IT systems, actually, this gives us a route to talk to industry about that as well, because quite often when you've got these ideas, uh, we don't really have the facilities to, to drive them forward within the trust. So having those links with suppliers coming to us also then opens the doors for us to be able to go to suppliers, so they, it kind of supports things both ways.
1: It does, you're right. Um, and the other thing is, you know, that Kernel Health, we run various services, so we run the 111 and out of hours service, we run school immunisations, eating disorders clinics, um, and the learning and development and support for all primary care. And... Um, And what that means, and to give you an example, um, recently been talking to a company that has done a a musculoskeletal uh, platform, which can do triage and has an AI engine behind it. And whilst we can use that in primary care and potentially look at the um, GP's website, so that patients that potentially have got back pain, they can click on it and go through the system themselves, which supports the physios, the first contact physios. It also means that we've been able to discuss that with the 111 service, talking to the district nurses and community nurses that are another part of the uh, health uh, care trust. Um, and then also discuss it with some of the people within um, uh, as the secondary care. So it does mean that if I hear of something, I know who to talk to in all the other parts so that we end up with a joined up approach and not fragmented approach where five people are using you know five departments are using 10 different systems.
0: Mm. So it very much sounds like communication is very key in this so knowing who to talk to if you have an idea and also knowing what might be needed on the ground I think something that we hear a lot um, at digital health is that sometimes technology is driven from the top down when actually on the ground with the people that will be using it, it might not necessarily work. So it's nice to hear you guys talking about how you communicate um, amongst different areas, which kind of leads me on to asking how a testbed program in Cornwall might work with testbed programs around the country. So say if other trusts were to implement their own programs, or I, I know that some already have, is is this sort of encouraging a more joined up approach to driving innovation, sort of UK wide? And does that mean that what's tested in one area could eventually just be rolled out in another area without going through a test bed?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things that instantly spring to mind. I think the first thing, working with other people around the country, would be great because there'll be situations where people would come to us. I think, and we won't have the ability to test it in Cornwall for whatever reason. It may be because we're too busy, we've got other stuff on. It may be that we don't have the underlying technology to support that innovation and can't do it. So, being able to pin uh, to point people at other uh, other trusts that can that can help. Um, would be would be really you know really helpful, I think. Um, and I think you know being generally able to support between trust and, and and support other trusts that then want to take these things live for real then um, being a reference site for trust because if we, if, we, if somebody comes to us with an IT innovation and you know what it really makes a difference to patient care, then this is something we should be using across the NHS and therefore when another trust wants to buy it and use it for real we can say this is how we deployed it this is how it works these are the pitfalls you need to watch for we've been there we've done that so what we are then hopefully going to be able to do is is support the real life deployment uh, across the trust across the across the country at, at some scale and pace
1: that's right the other thing that we do um, and we do this proactively is if possible we can work with other regions as an example, we are working about it's a European uh, space agency funded project to look at, at satellite communications being a backup or a, a, an alternative um, in health tech. Now, this is a project that's been being part run in Cornwall and part run in Scotland. And we both both areas share different needs Uh, You know, we Scotland severe rurality and problems with coverage of mobile signal. Cornwall, believe it or not, we have problems with mobile signal. If if anybody's visited down here, you'll probably find your phone doesn't work half the time. But there are other alternatives, and that can be that we've people. You know, in one of the industries that we're looking at is care homes, because a lot of care homes are in rural situations and they don't have good um, fibre broadband. So what we're doing there is we're actually running a project in between two regions that have got similarities. And that shows that we can work uh, in concert with other regions with different sorts of use cases, but with the end goals being the same. Um, As for um, working or, you know, other trusts uh, or other regions, exactly what Ian said, you know, we're answering that question, does it work? And if we can prove it works here, then that's given the real-world evidence to other trusts and other regions throughout the UK and even internationally to say that this is a good product. Interestingly, the UK, uh, with the NHS, has got one of the world's best-known and most respected brands of the NHS, and we find a lot of companies want to enter the NHS Not because it's the world's biggest market. They could, you know, these companies could sell more in the States if they're from Sweden, as an example. But once they've got that badge that says Mm. they've actually sold into the NHS, this gives companies the credibility. So um, they can sell that around the world. So that's another way to look at it, is we're not just looking at the stuff that would work, you know, with other regions throughout the UK. People who are the innovators are actually looking at the UK as being the stepping stone to the rest of the world.
0: Hmm, that's really interesting. So I guess as the NHS is so trusted, we're in a really privileged position to have our kind of pick of all of these innovations, if, if that's the right way of putting it. Um, is that kind of what you're seeing uh, in Cornwall?
1: Depends which way you look at it. I will tell you that of all the applications that I get through our website, for people that want to run their innovation through the test bed. um, We probably reject just over 50% of them because they've, that's too new in their ideas. They've got nothing to show or they've done variations on a theme or it can be a retrograde spe- step. So, you know, it's, we, we can have the pick in that respect, but it doesn't mean to say that we just go for anybody. We actually have a process for sieving the innovators to make sure that these are the ones we want to work with so it's a difference to having the pick of them it's making sure that they work in uh, the NHS for us
0: yeah kind of like you can get the best of the bunch really yeah yeah um, yeah but don't mean just is- to
1: say that everybody comes to us it's just you know one of those things where the we we, we know what we we stand for and we know what we're looking for as well
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I guess in terms of driving innovation, that's, that's what we want. Um, And also, it sounds like what we want people to take away from this podcast is that test beds are a way to go. um, And they do sort of help you drive innovation and, and find new technologies that will work for patients and clinicians. Um it wouldn't be fair of me though to let you leave the podcast without having the opportunity to talk about some of your favorite projects that you've run through the test bed or any um anything you want to brag about. So uh yeah, what are some of the successes that you've had since the program's been running?
1: Mm, that's an interesting one. Um, <laughs> from my side, uh one of my f- one of the my real favourites, I mean the first thing I'll say, though, uh, you said about running a test bed, bear in mind that just the primary care test bed has taken time and energy to get right, to get this mix right. So we're talking about 18 months at least before we could create it into the product it is now. Um, and the second dynamic was we actually charge companies to go through the test bed and that is so that they are invested in it and if they're going to make financial gain from it on the back end, why shouldn't we? You know, Why should they do it for free from the NHS when we're all paying into it via our taxes? One of the ones that I'm really proud of is a company that um, has developed, it's owned by a GP, uh, and it's developed a system for um, video consultation for mental health patients, um, potentially low-level mental health patients through CBT. But what they're doing is they're offering patients access uh, within uh, to a therapist, a UK-trained therapist, within forty-eight hours of their first contact, and that is absolutely blowing away some of the services that sometimes were taking a number of weeks before a patient could actually speak to a therapist. And if you need a therapist, you need one there and then, not over a period of time. And they do the consultation, the treatment sessions. Um, they are. F- permanently monitoring the patients for each session with um, the PHQ-9s and the GAD-7 scores. Um, They do discharge letters back to the um, uh, GPs. And we've actually, through the test bed in primary care, I've been able to go out to every single practice in Cornwall because that's our ownership. And that means at a click of a button, I can access them. Um, But that means that we've been able to, through the test bed, provide that coverage. The next stage with that is, and this is quite interesting, is it's one of the many companies that we then need to discuss how the business model is going to work because they want to prove that the system works before they can calculate the business model. And I think that's really interesting. We get a lot of innovators like that now that aren't coming with fixed business models. They are ready to change that. So that's one of the real great ones that we've done. We also bought in one of the first um, uh, triage systems for in AI. Um, that was uh, a company now that is known throughout the UK, but the first com- the first uh, practice to use it was actually in Cornwall. Um, same as a, a virtual uh, GP for out of hours. We were the first county to use that. Um, so, you know, I could, I could carry on for hours.
2: <laughs> All these long I've
1: probably got about 30 companies right now that I've got on my list that we're starting to work with. Oh, that's amazing. It's it's a,
2: yeah, and it's what well, Gary's done in the in primary care and, and the, with the test but is phenomenal, and it's a bit newer to us and working with us in secondary care. But you know, what it's offering us is a, a way of, of dealing with these innovations in, in a positive way that we've not had before. So I'm much more comfortable now about taking these uh, new systems in and having a process to do it, knowing that I've got the support there in the background, particularly with the academic side of stuff, because in the past we've been approached and uh i, I remember a, another a Israeli company that had an a i solution for viewing um or for reviewing certain certain types of um diagnostic images and we just looked we, we were we were approached and we looked at them we just didn't know which way to turn it kind of seemed like a good idea, but did it work or did it not and in the end, we passed on it because we didn't know we won't have to do that anymore because this this digital testbed working together like this um gives us that opportunity. And the other thing that it gives us, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, but is about when internal um, uh, ideas are there for new digital digital systems. And we've had one recently where uh, one of our clinicians has the most phenomenal idea for something. And he approached the innovation people in the trust who gave some advice and some support. And I found out about it later. But you know what this was just too big i didn't know which way to to, to help in entirely so bringing it to the digital testbed and and gary and his colleagues uh expertise has opened up an enormous um range of support that we're able to provide in including the stuff that gary mentions like commercials and business models uh, and protecting all of the uh, ip and trademarks and stuff that we just didn't have internally until then so, you know, it's, it's, it's added a, a massive string to our bow in secondary care um, for, for supporting our innovators.
0: Are you able to give us any sneak peeks on, on what they are or is it all sort of hush-hush at the moment? Um,
1: <laughs> I think it's a little bit hush-hush about the, um, the innovation that's coming through from um, that one particular clinician, I must admit. Um, I don't think we can say anything, can we, Ian? Not right now.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm intrigued to hear how all of that, um, all of that pans out. So do keep us in the loop. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Gary and Ian, it's been so much fun having you on Digital Health Unplugged. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, to all of our listeners at home thanks again for tuning in as always we publish fortnightly on spotify itunes and apple Podcasts. so please do give us a follow on any of those platforms to keep up to date with what we're doing and we're always looking for input from our listeners so if you have any podcast ideas at all please get in contact Uh, you can send us an email on podcast at digitalhealth.net that's it for this episode folks we will catch you next time